It's a good show. She's a tweaker trained by the CIA. He's one of Team Coco's top comics to watch. You're listening to Mormon and the Meth Head, you bitch. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Jessa Reed are friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. The only, I just we did I needed the air horn noise yeah you know but I don't want to learn how to edit that but I wanted to be like uh, Conan O'Brien's top comics to watch there is um uh, I told it's it's Sunday it's daylight savings day which we did not know about uh, we are in Salt Lake City in a swanky Marriott hotel. And we've got a show tonight in Salt Lake that we're super excited about. It's the first show that we've ever had that sold out in advance. Yeah. We sold out really fast and then people wanted more. So we're going to have people like standing in the back or I don't know. I wonder if anyone will just bring their own chair. <laughs> bring your own camping chair. We don't oh, care. That's smart. Yeah. BYOC, dude. And then tomorrow we go to New York for the New York Comedy Fest where I am doing a set that I have not stopped uh stressing about i was gonna say stop thinking about but i i feel like i have put it out of my mind purposefully but then this the anxiety remains the anxiety remains and i go <laughs> why am i breathing so hard <laughs> while watching this football game <laughs> oh that's right i'm uh i'm very nervous about this com this new york comedy fest thing i'm trying to get pumped jess has been trying to pump me up and tell me good things about myself and how funny I am and how I'm going to do great and how everybody loves me and how my parents are proud of me and all kinds of lies. <laughs> yeah, you're not buying in. I not buy. Like I don't buy any. Do. <laughs> you guys remember the the pile of laundry compliment? <laughs> I'm not buying any nice thing that anybody says about me. Everyone Fuck y'all. Like that comment a lot more than you did. Everyone, yeah. Well, everyone, it's it was really good. It was very hard for me to leave it in though. That that that's I wanted to cut out the part where I got uncomfortable and I made really bad jokes. I feel like that's the part that's most embarrassing was that I tried to riff and in my discomfort I just did the worst. Yeah. I wanted to take that out. We are always so tempted to take out the parts of the podcast that display our flaws. We and we have to fight each other to keep them in and fight ourselves. And I was like, this is this illustrates a good point this illust this is this is important we we like to talk about stuff about self-esteem and perception and stuff i should keep this in but god is it embarrassing yeah it was just audibly you putting a pile of laundry back on top back of <laughs> <laughs> hold, on, hold on let me get some some socks <laughs> just draping underwear on my face just a, a sock hanging off one of my ears and I slink back into my my pile of laundry home, and I say, "Yeah, this feels right. Mm. Oh, this feels good." Um, I it's funny because it was what just a couple of months ago that we were having a similar tour, where I was trying to get ready for the epics thing, and I was so nervous and and just wanted to have a good set, and was just having 
weird experience after weird experience. I do think you're handling it better than I did. I mean, I guess we'll see if you just if you stay up all night having a, a meltdown. A meltdown after afterwards. Afterwards, <laughs> then we'll be, then we'll be twins for sure. So since we made that announcement last week or whatever, I've been trying to get ready for this show. It's longer than a week because I bombed at the corporate event. I was bombed so hard that it 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 damaged my psyche. And then every, I've had so many shows lined up since then where I said, I'm going to be able to practice my set for New York Comedy Fest so many times. But all of those sets have been weird, weird circumstances. Even if they went okay, they were just like weird circumstances. You had to like uh, overcome a bunch of shit. You couldn't just practice. Yeah, uh, yeah. Set. I, I, we were, we performed in a parking lot. We, uh, I performed, uh, uh, as a pale freckly boy on Latino night. <laughs> and like, I had, you know, I couldn't just like jump straight into that set. I like had to address some things first. Yeah. Um, we've dealt with incredible hecklers all every show I get hyped. I'm like this, this will be the one where I get my confidence back. This will be the one that goes well. This will be the one that I get to just work out that seven minute set. And it never is never is. Um, I this could I take a moment to talk to some of our fans about stand up etiquette because I think that we have podcast fans and they are probably not stand up fans. They probably haven't been to a lot of stand up shows. Maybe this is me trying to make excuses, but this is this has happened more than once. Yeah, man. And so I would like to just uh, put this out there just so you know. Uh, we love you guys and we know that you have been having a one sided conversation with us for a long time. We stay for a long time after shows and hang out and talk to everybody. Um, I tend to be a little weird before shows, but after shows, we're totally down. A couple of things that uh, just don't work for stand-up is you yelling stuff out when we're on stage. <laughs> That's not how stand-up works. Yeah, man. Um, we have had so many fans recently yell things out while we were trying to deliver a punchline. Um, we've had a lot of shows messed up by our own our own podcast fans. Yeah. And like, we don't, so all right, heckling happens in stand up comedy. And I think that I'm pretty adept at, uh, dealing with it. I I'm good at it, but there's like a part of me. I'm usually, I usually take a nice route, but when people are being so, uh, repeatedly obnoxious, I want to tear them apart. Right. I want to tear them apart. But then on this trip, um, like I just, they were they were people that loved us that like were like we're your biggest fans we listen to your podcast your podcast has changed my life like you you've improved my relationship with my son blah 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 and it's hard to be like hey shut your cunt mouth lady <laughs> hey, hey get out of here and if it's like if they're not if they weren't our fans they were like in a wheelchair and again I was like I can't uh, destroy this dude yeah it is. Um... <laughs> It, it has happened a lot. Another thing that happens a lot. I usually go first. I called that guy Stephen Heckling. Oh, my God. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God damn it. I why didn't I, call, why did I think of that on stage? I just... <laughs> Dude, why? That, that wheelchair man in, in Twin Falls. All right, these were not our fans. We did another show in Twin Falls uh, the other night, and it was like the people... 
it, it was 90%. Here's what's bad about heckling and stand-up is that one table can ruin it for everybody. But like 90% of that audience was down to listen to us tell jokes. And there was one table in the back that was pissed at us and they were belligerent and they were awful and they were in wheelchairs. And so what can you do? You're just like, what are you? I like a little bit of interaction now and then. I can deal with that. You, you know, stuff that comes up innocuously yeah somebody who uh responds to like like you can ask someone a question and they respond or someone who has like a funny laugh like i don't no stand-up comedy show is going to be completely silent you know right there's going to be something in that and that's fine but uh please understand fans of ours who love us and want to come that coming to see us perform live is not like when you listen to the podcast in your car and you just shout stuff at us uh, because now there there's a hundred other people in your car who are trying to wait for the punchline and you're stepping on it and you're, you're yeah you're just fucking shit up. And then the other thing is this happens to me. I usually go first when we do shows. Um, uh, people come up to talk to me. I always watch your set and then people come up to talk to me while you're on stage. That's also not, uh, let's not do that either. Like, let's just wait till the end of the show. We're going to hang out. We're going to hang out till everyone else is done hanging out. We never cut out early. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I, our first show ever together was in, was in Portland and I went first and afterwards, uh, after I was done, uh, this girl who had come to see the show, uh, took all of her friends like out of the room and like to a like a side room and then just uh loudly talked throughout your set yeah and then still tried to fuck me afterwards <laughs> and I it was like you're you're out of your gourd there's no there's nothing less attractive than what you just did that's so heinous yeah just enjoy the whole enjoy the whole show I had a guy come up and try to uh try to mack on me during your set one time like so loud i'm sorry was, <laughs> he i don't remember i don't ever remember performing with you in 1993 <laughs> i think he <laughs> he tried to i tried to back. mack on me on you huh I'm so tired of being ahead of my time. It's so frustrating and just lonely being ahead of my time constantly that occasionally I want to be. Oh, you want to be 20 years. All right. There you go. So ahead of your time late means you're early. You tried to spit game. What is it? (laughs) Um, I think. uh, What what is it? Hit on? Now there's got to be a better. I don't know what it is. He was dead ass whiling on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, he was trying to talk to me like so loud through your set. And I just kept being like, I, shh, shh. We'll talk about this afterwards. We'll talk about this afterwards. It's the most awkward flirting <laughs> in the history of flirting uh, at full volume while you were on. T- this happens to me all the time, all the time when I'm trying to watch your set. And so I just, I think that maybe it has occurred to me that these probably aren't stand up fans. They're podcast fans and maybe they don't know. So we're not mad, but like, here's some etiquette stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. shh. Just shh. 
Shh. Let's talk after this the show. After the show. It'd be fun. It's like if your favorite basketball player was at the free throw line and you were on court side <laughs> and you were just screaming I love you, Derek Rose. I love you. Oh, you're going to make this free throw. I know you're going to make. I love. Oh, I'm your biggest fan. Don't be mad at me. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> and then Derek Rose would have to explain to you afterwards, like, hey, you know, that's just messes up my concentration. And I uh, kind of, you know, want to. You're, you're at, you're saying the words like you're my best biggest fan but you're acting like someone who's trying to mess me up you know yeah that was the uh <laughs> oh so it has just been one thing after another with you trying to uh, practice the set also i think it's very sweet that you try to stop people from physically touching me after i set up i set up the table so <laughs> where we sell merch and like put jessa in a corner so that no one can get to her so and that... i never noticed that i always thought you do that because you kind of physically like move me over to a corner and i'm always like he just thinks i'll fuck shit up like i'm just gonna knock the table over if i'm over there no i like set up the table while you're on stage so that uh you can you can have a safe space it never works. Jessa, you have a, an entire <laughs> wig's worth of hair hanging from your sock. It's the wrong end of your body to have that much hair. And it's just hanging off your foot. I don't know what happened. <laughs> like Rapunzel is letting down. <laughs> Climb up to my foot tower. And hey, last night after the show, I had set up these tables to... Uh, for maximum protection and this one woman just did not give a fuck and just came back like around behind the table to talk to us and just uh telling us all these different facts she she hugged me this was a uh, at a show full of people in recovery and i couldn't believe how many hugs they were giving out i walked into this hallway and just hug after hug after hug after hug so i was making a joke about that she hugged me and i said i feel like uh, I haven't been hugged this much since I was in Mormon church. Like, <laughs> uh, this is bringing back memories. She's like, yep, I'm a hugger. And then she asked me about you. Is she a hugger? And I said, she's not. <laughs> she did it anyway. She did it anyway. Wasn't I taking a picture with someone? At the- yeah, you were taking a picture and I pointed out your arm. You like you were hovering your arm uh, on someone's back and like not touching them. And I said, uh, you see what she's doing with her arm right there? Yeah, she's not. She just doesn't like uh, touching people, you know. And then I turned my back for a second and this woman is hugging you. And I was like, <laughs> Catherine, <laughs> what are you doing? But that woman actually had she was pictures of her son and uh her son was born with half a heart and had a lot of uh problems and then he died very young and uh she showed us a picture of him asleep and then she showed us a picture of these clouds like she was driving along i don't know i-15 or something and pulled over to take a picture of these clouds and the clouds were her son's face like yeah like freaky freaky uh that her son's face that that same sleeping uh expression the eyes nose mouth it was all there in the clouds it was spooky 
Spooky. Just in time for Halloween, uh, post-Halloween. Yeah, just in time for it. <laughs> you are ahead of your time, Jessa. So, so ahead. We that is the op- that is the opposite of the definition of just in time. <laughs> it's we just missed it. We just missed it. Jessa shows up to the movie for the credits, <laughs> and she's like, "Ah, made it just in time, just in time." <laughs> Uh, well, there's also, is Day of the Dead already over? Is that? Uh, I think so. Um, the beginning of November still is spooky. It's still, it's still spooky Well, I just time. read a thing that it's like the, the, there are a lot of cultures that believe that the veil is the thinnest between October and November. So if that's true, then we're still in that veil time. The veil is thinnest between what? Living and dead? Living and dead. I feel like it's just always thin for me. Does everybody say the veil? It's not just a Mormon thing. No, it's Mormons absolutely talk about not the veil, veil and, the, and the veil being thin. It's a, it's a, always very spiritual though. It's very. It's not like meant to be spooky. It's just like we can feel the spirits of our ancestors closer in the temple because the veil is thinner but there's a literal veil at the temple that you walk through like we talk about um we lose all memory of the pre-mortal existence when we pass through quote the veil and come to earth like the veil is this thing that doesn't separate living and dead as much as it separates um eternal from temporal like we've got uh this this physical earth and the in the veil is all the spiritual stuff uh, outside of it and we can't I might remember be mormon you might be someone uh uh millie our fan millie uh asked she was like what have you ever worried that you might like convert people to mormonism the way uh jessa's uh got people started to drink their own urine <laughs> and i said that's uh i don't know i don't want to make if that makes you happy if you find your truth go for it or whatever but i do think it's like drinking your own urine so uh <laughs> less fun sounds like um you you're so weird <laughs> oh i was just saying that mormonism super not fun not that drinking Draw the drinking listen it's drinking quit meth twisting piss my words fun. what all drinking meth piss is fun just regular urine why well, that's not fun yeah fuck i um but there is so like there's like an amnesia that happens when you come from a past life into this life and I think, and then there's like the queue that you sit in between lives. I feel like I remember all this. I feel like I can imagine where this place is. And, oh, God, I keep squeezing my forehead. Um, so I think that's what the pre-mortal existence is. Like, I think that's what, when you say that, it's like, okay, that I could see where that is the same thing. You think it's past life? No, I think you have you have incarnations that you go into, but then you're just in in that space of nothingness, that okay. like bliss space in between you're in the big blue ball of light. But there is an amnesia wall between every life that you lead where I think you do carry the trauma of the past lives, but you don't have actual memories of it. But I had a great conversation with Craig yesterday about how Time doesn't actually exist. So the reason that we are feeling affected as some of the maniac stuff that we thought about too, uh, the opening monologue of maniac where they uh, talk about 
what if you're affected by all of these scenarios that didn't happen or yeah. the one you're not currently in. And we talked talked about string theory, right? Yep. The same thing. <sighs> hmm. I like that. My favorite stuff is when you say something really methy and I go, yeah, that's supported by Mormon doctrine. <laughs> yeah. I do think that everything is everything is everything. And I think that all the religions are based on a foundation of like what I believe to be the fundamental truth of consciousness, which, uh, you know, could just be me being insane. But, um, and then I think it is that tiny bit of truth that gets people to stay in that religion is that that's the truth that they're attracted to. I just don't know why we have to cling to all of these, this rule, these rules and shame and, and stuff. One of my favorite things was, learning about other religions and seeing the similarities and the parallels between mine. Right. And there were classes at BYU about uh, like Mormonism and Judaism and Mormonism and Islam. And they were fascinating to me. I loved, I loved learning similarities. Our take on it was that, you know, uh, people can find elements of truth everywhere, but there was also like once upon a time, God had established his truth on the earth and then it, you know, just became corrupted and spread and like a game of telephone, like things change over millennia and, uh, and whatever. <laughs> and, and now we've got the restored church that has all of it. We, ha we have all of it and everything. Except for that one book. Except for that, except for, you know, Book of Lehi, but we'll get it back. Oh, my God. No, speaking of except for, uh, Prophet Russell M. Nelson gave some interview or something, and he was just like, if you think the church has been restored, you ain't seen nothing yet. And I was like, what? There's more restoring? to What? What has God been waiting for? I thought that we restored all the keys and stuff. And he's just like, and we've been telling everyone, like, we have it all. We've got it all. And now this guy's like, oh, we don't have everything yet. All right. We have God not changed the names of every <laughs> single aspect of we'll, this religion yet. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We're going to change young women's to fine young ladies. Okay. <laughs> we're going to change. We're going to change it to, to pretty nice girls. That's what God said. Now the church is totally restored. This has been the 202nd session of General Conference. Thank you. Everybody go home. And then like pff, fireworks go off and like monster banners unfurl from the conference ceiling. <laughs> he puts on a flat brimmed hat and then the air horn goes. Bah, 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 the spirit of God. I would go to that conference. Now, now, like now, this is a true church. This now, that's what I call a restoration. <laughs> I've been watching Haunting of Hill House. I'm almost done, so don't shout any spoilers out in your car right now. I we're, I'm on I'm on the very last episode, and it's been so fun. Like we said in the last episode uh, I just relate everything back to the podcast and what we're talking about. And it's so cool to see. I think I liked it in hereditary too. If you guys saw not hereditary to the sequel that hasn't been made yet, but uh, <laughs> just regular hereditary also <laughs> um, just, <laughs> I don't think 
like we, we make scary movies about scary stuff and i like these movies that are they're saying there's nothing scarier than your own family trauma shit yeah and that's that's the real horror is that you're going to turn into your mother that's the scariest thing and uh so i've been really fascinated by this show that's about a family struggling with with loss you know a big traumatic event that happened in their past and how they're all coping with it and but it's told as a horror story as a ghost story and it makes it super easy to relate to. Super, I like it a lot. I um, but watching it has made me uh, ask Jessa about ghosts and stuff. And so here's the question, and luckily it's just in time for Halloween. Jessa Reed, do you believe in ghosts? Yeah, they're just not that big of a deal. There is, um, I did, uh, Karen and Kira can read. I did their podcast. They did, they did a reading on me. Like, uh, Karen did my tarot cards and, and Kira just like read my energy, um, by holding onto my hand and, and we got into some ghost stuff. And then Karen has a podcast that I did afterwards, just kind of talking about supernatural stuff. And I, as you know, I'm very hesitant to talk about this stuff on the podcast because I, f- I hate to sound crazy. I yeah. So let's just talk about drinking your own pee again. Touche, touche. <laughs> um, this is a good point. I my understanding is that nobody without a body has any dominion on this planet there are tons i see tons of shadow people and ghosts and shit all the time all the time and they just don't matter they're just like they're they're all right hold on they're on the bench they're on the bench okay uh a couple things i want to get back to you immediately touch on something that uh is like okay that's what mormonism teaches uh but we'll get back to that uh when you say all the time and when you say shadow people, uh, what do you mean? How how all the time? I realized yesterday when we were sitting in the hotel room and I was staring up at a popcorn ceiling in a hotel room. And once my eyes just like relax a little bit, it looks like it's water on top of the ceiling. Like if, if my eyes have a minute to just settle where they're at, I see uh, geometrical shapes and energy bubbling and it looks like just like a layer of like water the movement of water not the actual water over top of everything and if i'm if i'm just sitting and there's a reflective surface like a turned off flat screen television i can usually see things moving in the background if there's things moving in the background i can feel if there's a presence somewhere, but there's just like presence everywhere and it just doesn't matter. It very rarely feels nefarious to me. I think um, it's spooky to think about, but it's usually just like people that don't have their bodies. And um, so you, I mean, you staring up and seeing uh, psychedelic waves and, and shapes and stuff that I, that's seen that's that's different i don't know are you is that in the same category as seeing I just ghosts i think it's probably like more dimensions and i i see but yeah so i see ghosts in the same way 
that I see, they're not like floating around white ghosts. There's just like silhouettes, I guess. And I'll see them out of the corner of my eye. And then if you try to focus on them, you won't be able to see them because you're trying to see them. You're trying to use like the wrong sense. You know, you got like the clairvoyance. They're called like clair essences or something. These other senses, this other set of senses where I can hear what people are actually thinking and, and things like that. Like it's a different muscle. And um, when I see something out of the corner of my eye and then I try to focus on it, a lot of times I won't be able to focus on it, but I don't give a shit. So that it's very easy for me to see them because I'm not trying to see them, if that makes sense. But there have been like certain instances where we had one house that just had two, it looked like two dudes their silhouettes looked like they had shoulder pads, so maybe they were wearing suits or something. They had that that, that real square shoulder look. And um, they stood very close to each other, and I would stay up late at night, and I would turn off the TV and just be playing around on Facebook. And then I would look up and see them. in Like they would be standing f- far behind me, like in the dining room, but I could see their reflection in the television. And it like gives me a creepy feeling. Gives me a creepy feeling listening to you tell it. But it just gives me a creepy feeling. You, and did you ever turn around or you just... If I turned around, I probably wouldn't be able to see them. That's what I figured. You see them in doorways, anywhere where the light changes, it's easier to kind of see because you're seeing stuff in that kind of ether- ethereal realm. And so that's where, like the same place that I see the bubbling, the water and the shapes and the... and the um, It looks like... But that sounds exactly out of a horror movie where you see a reflection in the TV and then turn around and there's nothing there. Yeah. And then you turn around back of the TV and now it's standing closer behind you and you turn around and it's not there and then you turn this back of the TV and it's kind of scary. And it is scary and there is a lot of like programming with that kind of stuff. But before I could see any of that stuff, I spent a lot of time in alien school learning that there is... N- a lot, a lot of what I had to do the day that I was in the mirrors with the acid was ghosts and aliens and shit. And then there was the one whole night where the aliens were like, now you're going to physically see us because all the communication was in dreams or in like talking in my head. And they were like, now you will physically see us. And I'm sitting outside on the sidewalk. And this might have been the first time I saw any any beings. Okay. And I'm sitting out on the sidewalk. It's four o'clock in the morning, by the way. So if anyone looked out of their window, they I looked insane. And everyone had I left mean, this house. Yeah. Any time of day when they do that, you're gonna look True. You know, yeah. So I'm sitting like legs crossed on the ground and I'm staring back into this house and I've left the front door open. The house is fully lit. It's dark outside. And in the mirror there was a huge mirror by in like the hallway before the door and in the mirror i could see them come one by one past that mirror and so in the mirror i could see like a reflection of them but then they were very uh ethereal coming down but i could see them coming down one by one down from the sky no they were in Uh, in the house and so they were coming down the stairs and then uh, I kept panicking and not like closing my eyes and not wanting to look because I've been trained my entire life that this is terrifying. This is scary. This is going to hurt me. And I had been trained for a long time by them, like programmed for a long time by then that like nothing that doesn't have a body can physically do anything to you. And that nothing 
that if you want to think about demons or or things that are actually dangerous to you, the things that are actually dangerous to you are are these are these thought energies. Demons are things that you accept into your thought process. And now I think a lot about about voices, but it was like jealousy. Uh, uh, these things that can just eat you alive from the inside, turn you into a like fear, fear-based stuff. I know people who were cool as shit in their 30s and now can't leave their house in their 50s because they just fed into some fear-based program. All right, how many aliens do you see? They said one by one. It's probably like six or eight. And they came down. It was real weird, like a ceremony almost, the way that they did it. But uh-huh. I think they did it because the closer they got, the scarier it was. And I've been like communing with these people, like communicating with these beings. And they were in my dreams and I'd seen them in my dreams. But to have them physically in my presence and I could see them, uh, they floated off the ground. Their feet came to a taper. Mm. Um, it seemed like their feet came to a taper. You know, they're not solid though. So it wasn't... It's, um, I described it as the gas that comes off the ground when it's hot outside off of like the concrete. Asphalt, yeah. It looked like that. It was like this is this moving, wavy energy that's almost, almost plasma. Did they have heads and arms? Mm-hmm. All of that looked very stereotypically alien. The, the proportions of everything, okay. you know? And then... You can make out the eyes, but you can't make out much else. And so I don't know if that's because they don't have the other stuff or because they're not solid. They're not dense. So it's not it's not something your eyes can super focus on. Okay. So is there a difference between seeing what used to be a dead human? Like a, uh, someone who was alive? Like that's what most of our horror movies are about. We see ghosts. It's a person who used to be alive and now is uh dead without a body they have a ghost spirit is there a difference between that and a quote-unquote alien yeah i think aliens are graduated souls i think they're they are um they're just us after having played the game long enough to like uh, evolve long enough to be fully awake and not need to be in a body i think our bodies are going to turn into that at some point but so all right, let's go back. Let's talk about the power of bodies because this is the Mormon doctrine thing that I was going to talk about. We talk about how you, uh, how body is power. Like the body is so important to Mormons. It's important to God's plan of salvation. It's why Satan hates us because we got bodies and he didn't. And it's also why we're more powerful than him because he can't, he can tempt us and he can trick us into thinking that he's powerful and he can make, he can like, you know, try to shock and awe us into fear we have records of him trying to do that to prophets like try you know jesus and 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 moses and abraham and they all win in the end because they just tell him to leave and he has to because he has no dominion over them because they have bodies and we talk in mormonism a lot like there's scriptures that joseph got a revelation it's in doctrine and covenants how to expel spirits you like you just tell them to leave you raise your hand to the square and you command them in the name of the priesthood to leave and they have to obey you so like they're scary but like they have to do whatever you say because you have more power over them this is the physical plane so if you're in a physical body you're more powerful than um something from the astral plane i think the trick now kind of because we're crossing over into a uh having the astral plane be a more dominant dimension that we get to play in 
the trick is being able to do both. But so long as you are on the physical plane, nobody who, uh, nobody lacking a physical body can have dominion over you. It's, it's a, it's a, if you're walking down the street, you could be the toughest dude. This is probably a bad analogy. You could be the toughest dude in the world who could beat anyone up. But if you step onto a freeway, the people with the cars have fucking cars. You know what I mean? So you can be a big, scary demon, ghost, whatever, but you're fucking with people who have physical bodies. You can't do anything. You don't have a physical body. You can't play here. But the people that have graduated, graduated souls who don't like, is there a difference between someone who is like weak without a body and someone who is like no longer has a need for a body? So I mean, my, that, that's what I got from when you said graduated. Yeah. So graduated just means like they finished all these evolutions. So there's nobody who's like finished all these evolutions, uh, graduated from their trauma, found their way out of the matrix, is just evolved to this point. There's no interest here in doing anything other than helping people still on the physical plane. There's, they're not going to haunt you. They're not going to fuck with you, whatever. We could get into like reptilian conspiracy and stuff, but we've already done that. But like the aliens that I was dealing with, they were just here... Because to to switch, help switch games. But even then, they had no real attachment to any of that outcome. It's just like, here's some info, homie. Ghosts are people who got so, so attached to the life that they were leading that they forgot that it was a game. So, like, there is a part of you that knows to go back home when you're done here. And, um, but it's you're capable of forgetting so deeply forgetting who you are that you get stuck here afterwards and when i read the bible it seems to me just like a a map like go back home when you're done when it talks about the lust of the flesh and we read it like um wanting to jerk off it's like no it's this this burning attachment and desire of your physical body is so strong of your ego of your temporal man that you get attached to this life and you forget that you are supposed to go and come back later and that the whole description of hell is just a description of someone stuck on the planet. Yeah, we uh I've I've had lessons Sunday school lessons where teachers have made that comparison to hell and talked about like like souls in spirit prison that are just in anguish because they they were addicted to substances or something. And now that they're, they don't have that. They, they don't have bodies anymore, but they still are. So their minds are so attached to their bodies, you know, because addiction is uh, mental and physical, right? So you still have this mental part of you and then no way to satiate that addiction. So your mind is just going crazy and you just, you, all you want is, like your body, your body and stuff. Now, Mormonism is a little different because we do believe that bodies are necessary to be exalted. Like when when Judgment Day comes and the resurrection happens, we are going to be reunited with our bodies and that's how you get to be like God, that God still does have a body. Your, your take, your philosophy, the alien philosophy, correct me if I'm wrong, this is what I got from it. Here in this plane, the physical plane, body makes you king. You, you've got, you, here everything's physical, so the physical body comes in handy. But it is holding you back. Like eventually, you, there there's more out there to do if you let go of the physical. And so like these aliens that came to visit you, they're on another plane, they're on another level playing different games and they're, that we can't do. 
because we have these bodies. But while they're here on our turf, like while they're they're here with us, we are technically more powerful. While that when they're when they're on our home court. Yeah, just in the physical plane, you're you're more powerful with a body. I think, and this is just theory that I think about. I think that our bodies are shifting into something different, and that um, we'll take them with us to the next game, whatever that is. Like I don't know what any of that is yet because I haven't been there, but I see a lot of evidence of things that they said where aging ceases to exist, death ceases to exist. And I think that um, our bodies are transmuting in some way into something different. I haven't ruled out the possibility that that just means we become like half machine bionic (gasps) people. I don't want that to be it. I want it to be something like there's some people believe that we just uh, get these light bodies, you know, and that seems cooler than a fucking like digital eye. But (laughs) are you like Whoopi Goldberg in ghost? Are you pestered by spirits? Like if you're if you're sensitive to it and you and you say you see them here and there, um, I don't know. Do they? Is it is it a nuisance for you or is it cool? Are these your friends? If I talk about it a lot, I'm very indifferent. I'm as indifferent with disembodied people as I am with regular people. <laughs> you're like, and they can't hug me though. They That's can't the only hug difference. Me. That is cool. That's <laughs> I'm more bothered by real people. I've had a couple of experiences where I got messages for somebody from someone who had passed away. I don't have like... That is like Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost. Mm -hmm. It was... The entire experience was very similar. It makes me wonder if Ghost was written by someone who had had the experience because there is a lot of truth in there where if you are communicating with someone on the other side, it does like open up. You open up a bunch of other messages from people and shit and it's like, like when she when everybody starts service. coming mm-hmm. to her office to start uh complaining a lot of times it used to be if i had a conversation about ghosts and shit i would then have to deal with them more in my presence and i never knew if that's because i tuned in more because i was talking about it where i'm usually just not paying attention oh are you is it bad that i'm bringing it up no because i just talked about this on the other podcast and i was like well tonight it'll be hard and it wasn't and i didn't oh. notice it at all so i don't know if i just have it so tuned out because when i was staring at that ceiling the other day and just watching the waves and then i was just thinking nobody else sees this you know uh, no no Aaron's not seeing these waves right now well, the and- crazy thing is that hotel room hasn't had a ceiling since 1958 <laughs> that was a that was an open air room we were in there was no ceiling i got a message from a friend whose child had died i don't want to tell the whole story but i didn't want to pass the message on it was a message from the child who had mm-hmm. died right after the child died. for your friend. Yeah. And it was like a friend who was like Facebook friends that I knew from like Christianity and stuff. And I was like, I'm not fucking saying shit. You are out of your like, no thanks. And then you better put your face in some clouds or something because I'm not relaying yeah. this. Message. No way. Am I like hitting up a Facebook friend and being like, Hey, uh, no, we haven't talked since church. Don't know if you're still into Jesus or whatever, but how about a message from your child that just passed away? Like, no, thank you. So I didn't. And that feels like something on your to-do list. 
that feels like a pressure that you uh, a deadline that you didn't meet or that you have to meet or something. I don't know how to describe it. There's an anxiety that comes with not handling in that. Can I ask some questions about it? Mm-hmm. Feel free to not answer. Okay. What was it like to get the message to did something appear to you? Did something talk to you? How did it introduce itself to you? Did it say this is who the message is for? A lot of communicating with the aliens and uh people who aren't there feels like daydreaming almost. And it's it's a skill the skill is learning to trust the things in your mind which is really hard because we complete we constantly have it reinforced to us that if you have any of these experiences there's something wrong with your mental health and so it it feels but i've done it enough i've had it happen enough i've ignored it enough i ignored it enough that and then would watch the thing be true that i learned like oh that voice isn't mine this is what is happening on hill house the whole season is everybody is seeing ghosts and shit and they all just tell themselves that they're crazy yeah and they so they don't ever tell their other family members about it because they feel so crazy and they can't uh they can't talk about it and then it turns out like you weren't crazy you were really seeing ghosts the whole time I understand that if I went and saw a psychiatrist that I would get diagnosed with schizophrenia. I understand that. And I, I say constantly, like, I might just have a brain tumor. I might have schizophrenia. I don't know. It hasn't. I've met. I know people with schizophrenia, like legit schizophrenia that does damage to their lives and hurts them. I was on a Reddit reading through a Reddit thread where someone said, what were your first symptoms of schizophrenia? And there were a few instances of people would like, schizophrenia where they thought all their friends were trying to hurt them and you know it took them four hours to leave the house because they were putting on makeup and the way that the makeup looked made it obvious you know this is like a brother of someone telling the story and then there were a lot of people talking about things that are just symptoms of having gifts and it made me so sad that and this is a slippery slope I'm not telling anyone to not seek medical help i'm not anti-psychology obviously this is a podcast is a lot of mental health stuff but um there are a lot of things that were listed that were just to me i feel like it's it's innately schizophrenic for you to unplug from the collective delusion it's innately schizophrenic for you to step out into having gifts that we have been told our entire life are bullshit. We have been told our entire life that magic doesn't exist. I don't know if that is by design. I don't know if there are people purposely trying to keep us from realizing that we're magic or if it's just the blind leading the blind. But symptoms that I had when I first woke up, when I first started to tap into this stuff, and these are gifts that serve me a lot now in life. I They help me a lot. But in the beginning, it's like having a flip, a switch flipped and you don't know how to control it. Like you don't know where the control panel is. And so in the beginning, there was constant noise in my brain. It was like uh, 10 million conversations happening at once with like radio stations not coming in all the way and car alarms and dogs barking, just this constant noise in my head. And I had to learn how to like turn it down and turn certain things up and how to focus those uh, abilities on certain people when it was time. Um, I went into an, an energy center once and was like, what is happening to me? And they were like, you're tuning into these gifts, whatever. And then she asked me to tune into her and I couldn't cause I didn't know how to like aim it at people. And 
um, you know, I spent years sounding batshit as I was having all these experiences, but I went through it. I got on the other side of it. And I think while you're unplugged, when you first unplug from the collective, I call it the matrix, but when you first unplug from that collective illusion and you, you then try to make the journey back to yourself as God, that is schizophrenia. Like there is that, that has schizophrenia. And if you can get to the other side and you can walk between the worlds because I am having constant magic alien shit that sounds bad shit but you can also know me for years and not know and now this is fucked because i have a podcast and i talk about it but lots of people have no idea any of this stuff because i can just walk between the worlds i can talk to you in your reality i understand this reality i don't i'm not screaming that the sky is falling i'm i don't have to say insane shit i can also hear if people are receiving it or not and i just don't talk to people who aren't receiving it you know, who can't, Mm -hmm. who can't get it to me. When I say things, it feels like a connect four game and I can feel where the information drops into their brain and I can feel if it just falls through and I can feel if it, if it lands somewhere and if it lands somewhere, then I know what we can talk about more. And that's what it feels like when I'm connecting dots for people that wakes them up. And so, um, anyway, I understand that this all sounds insane. Do I talk to ghosts? I talked to this, uh, this dead kid. I yeah. ended up telling her mom. You did. That was going to be my next question. Um, I like two weeks How long went did by. It take you? Took two about weeks? two weeks. She left Facebook, and then um, I heard. I audibly heard her name yelled out in my house. Whoa! So the I, name of your friend. Mm-hmm. So I texted her, and she uh, had just received awful news about the death. And now that she had just, she had received like an autopsy report. And now she So this was like right after the child died, mm -hmm. they reached out to you? The night of. Like I read the Facebook post and then couldn't sleep all night. Was up in this like conversation about why it had to happen and stuff. And so I didn't, I only knew what I saw on Facebook. So I didn't like, I didn't, I wasn't friends with this person like that. So I didn't have a bunch of information. So I didn't know you have to like trust yourself. You have to trust this conversation you had in your head. And uh, I just wasn't like willing to do it. But then I was just feeling her out because I heard her name yelled and I can only ignore this kind of stuff for so long. And so while feeling her out, then as soon as she had gotten this autopsy report, suddenly the message that I got made a ton of sense to me for why why that was an important message to convey. But still, I was like tiptoeing, like, I don't know what kind of stuff you believe in, whatever. And she was like, I've actually been looking up mediums in the yellow pages. And this is also like... Uh, Start with your friends list first before you hit the yellow pages yeah and but nobody knows this stuff about me i know i don't talk about this kind of stuff so this was i was like okay here's i'm gonna send you an email because i just didn't even i couldn't do it i didn't want to hear her voice or whatever i was like take it or leave it because it could be bullshit i don't know i said a bunch of stuff that there's no way i could have known a bunch of the messages were things that there's that i couldn't have gotten from facebook uh it was it was what she needed to hear and um I was able to get messages for the next, I think it was like nine months or something, six months that wow. got through the, through the hardcore part of the, the grieving. Wow. So you kept in contact for, I, I apparently was the, was the primary contact like during her, her grief process. Uh, we got very close during that time. And uh, if she like messaged me and said, 
uh, I need to talk to you. Like I would drop everything and, 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 and I just kind of intuitively knew what to say a lot of times, even though I personally have never really suffered a loss. So speaking of uh, knowing what to say, we talked about this with Kira, Kira Sultanovich, this year's winner of the big sky comedy fest. And we recorded an episode with her that will be on our Patreon eventually we kind of have backlog <laughs> of patreon episodes now we've had s- several gr- great guests we've interviewed plus sunday school stuff and uh, other things so we've we're eventually be but it's on uh what's the name of her podcast Damn. i think it's just parenting with kira saul tonovich okay all right yeah anyway, it's on hers but we had this we had this talk and we talked about you on kira and karen can read they did this reading and stuff, and I'm super interested in this right now. I'm asking lots of questions. I have a very skeptical. I think I have a healthy skepticism, but I'm very interested in and all skeptical like, curiosity. Yeah, like I'm not going to just swallow everything everyone says. I like to fact check it. I like to see what sounds true to me, and and I and you know, but I I am open to all this stuff. I want to hear everyone say it, and before I make up my mind, right? So I'm asking lots of questions. And Kira's talking about people who just scoff, write, write it off, say that, say that she's making it up and stuff. And I thought about why I didn't and why it just seems so plausible to me. Like it doesn't really – like the stuff that Kira says, she says, I touch people and can uh, know things about them. Like that's how she does this reading, you know, and like uh, people that do palm readings and stuff. Uh, I thought that doesn't sound that crazy to me. That sounds plausible. That doesn't threaten my belief system in any way. That sounds like there's room in the universe for that to be true. And then I thought back to experiences that I had and why it's not that big of a stretch. I used to lay my hands on people and through the power of the priesthood, give them blessings. So that's not that different. Right. It's not. I told the story. I'll tell, I'll tell it briefly again. Right now, one time in the MTC, the Missionary Training Center, which is my favorite place in the world. I loved it. No one else did. Just me. And we were about to leave and go to Italy. And we're all stressed and we're all freaked out. And there was another missionary who asked me to give her a blessing before we left to Italy because she was freaking out. And she had things on her mind and she wanted comfort. She wanted answers. That's pretty much all I knew going into it. And we were in we were in an empty classroom. I believe like our companions were there as well. But I remember her sitting in a chair and me being pretty nervous because I wanted to do a good job. I wanted to be a medium yeah. for for God. I wanted to speak on God's behalf, which is what you're doing when you're giving priesthood blessings. The priesthood is God's. You're just an instrument, right? And so I was trying so hard to tune into the Holy Ghost and um, feel what God wanted me to say to this daughter of his. Like I, and I took it really, really seriously because I, I believed all this stuff and I felt that it was very serious, you know? I wanted to be helpful in some way. I wanted to relay whatever message God had for her to her. And so my hands are on her head, touching her head. 
and I'm just sitting quietly and I'm listening for words to come to me. This was my process when I gave blessings. And I gave more than just this one, uh, but this one stands out because I said so many things that she wanted to hear and she doesn't she doesn't talk the other person doesn't talk during the yeah. blessing they just sit with their arms folded and their eyes closed in the chair and i would just say things and then i would pause and then and then like another phrase would come into my head and i would say it and afterwards she she was very moved by it because i was answering direct questions that she had asked like these are the these this was everything that she was thinking about i was answering and then in those pauses she was like talking back to god and then i was giving his answers like she i would say something and then she would i don't know fight back against it like the same way like it's similar to you complimenting me i felt yeah like i was saying like hey you're gonna be great you're gonna do okay and then there'd be a pause and I'd be like, no, seriously, you are. You're, yeah. you're doing really good. I'm very, very proud of you. All this kind of stuff. And she still remembers that. We're we're still friends. And she has told me, this was a while ago when we first like reconnected as friends, I think. She told me about how she's all, she always looked up to me after that because of how profound that experience was for her because I nailed it, you know? And it was so, she felt, if we can say the veil again, the veil was thin. Yeah. The veil, you know, it felt like this very close communication between her and a higher power that I uh, was a part of or that I facilitated. I'm not trying to brag. I really, I used to never, ever talk about these experiences because I hated it felt like it would cheapen them and I didn't like the people that got up in testimony meeting and talked about this kind of shit because then I felt like they, and then they all just became urban legends that got passed around in enzymes and, and different uh, church sacrament meeting talks and shit. But I, so I probably, I'm not trying to sound cool. Just this is a real experience and it really happened. Well, and, and I think this is important because I bet there are a ton of former Mormons who had supernatural experiences and then just have this, the second shelf stuff. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Like you healed that guy, you know, you, I think Spencer did, but yeah, the, uh, the, you did witness a healing part, taking place, yeah, which is there. not crazy. And we could see that kind of stuff all the time. If we would stop denying that that's a possibility. Right. Something also that if I go back to something you said earlier, um, about thinking that you're crazy, we do get so many messages that, you shouldn't believe these things that that seem supernatural because you can't prove them and they're easily discredited and and stuff but there is something about trusting yourself that i've been learning recently i thought that i i i could hear people's thoughts i could hear people when they were lying i never knew what to, i never knew that until like you talked about it and i was like yeah that's that's you describing how I interact with people. Can Things I describe just, that conversation? Sure. So I said that I was I was listing off, I think, things that I could do. And uh, I said I can hear, I can hear when people are lying. I can hear what their actual motive is. And you were like, what does that sound like? Because I describe it as hearing because I feel like I have this other set of five senses where I can see things, I can hear things on a different plane. And I said, it feels like subtext, like what subtext is in movies where it's so obvious 
what is really happening here, even though the actor is saying something different. And you were like, what? I have been doing that my entire life and it has been problematic. Yeah. It's it's alienated you from other people. Yeah. I couldn't, it was really, it was, it was a real problem up until uh, a year, a year ago or so. Um, and now I've, I've gotten better at it. I didn't know what it was. I just, I just never trusted people and uh, like, and, but like no one would ever own up to it. You can't confront anyone uh, on it. I think it sounds like ring true is what, uh, as a phrase I like to say, like it doesn't ring true. You know, like if, if you're listening to a song and someone's singing off key, off pitch, and you can just, you can I hear that. Description. That's, that's how it feels. If someone says something that's not true, I'm like, nah, that's not it. And the, I don't say I'm psychic uh, or that I have powers or whatever. I feel like that might make me sound crazy or something, but because there's, I feel like there's also other explanations that we don't know. But the, I love, and I think I've probably talked about this before, Malcolm Gladwell's book Blink that talks about how uh, our gut instinct is so often correct because there's a million things that our brain is processing on an subconscious level yeah. that we aren't aware of. He talks about the statue. I've, if I, forgive me if I've used this example already, but he talks about this statue that was a fake that by all records and like tests that they did on it, it said that it was authentic. But when art experts came into the room, they just looked at it for a second. They're like, that's a fake. But then the more they tried to study it, they, they corrected themselves and they're like, okay, so I was wrong. It looked like a fake, but there's no, it, it's definitely authentic. Yep. And then years later with new tests, when, when science caught up, they were able to prove, yeah, this is a fake. And it, all those scientists, or it's not scientists, all those art experts should have just trusted their gut. Their gut was right. They didn't know why they were right, but they were right. right. So there's, I don't were those art experts uh, psychic? No, they weren't psychic. They just, they, they, their brains were new art. They knew it and it processed it on a subconscious level that they couldn't articulate. And so maybe that's just the same thing. Like maybe you guys all have tells like in poker and I can just, I can see them, but I can't tell you what they are, but I just know that you're lying. Maybe that's it. Maybe uh, there's, energy vibrations maybe i am psychic like there's a million different i just was like i'm not going to say that i'm psychic i'm just saying i'm open to the possibility and i don't try to put a label on it the point that i was going to make is that i trust myself now and that's a huge difference like those guys should have trusted their gut and they would have saved years or whatever or embarrassment for whatever the museum i don't know what the repercussions are of having a fake statue is you pay too much money for it but I now trust myself and I'm not scared to trust myself because I can't explain something. I I don't I don't feel like I have to explain something and have facts and proof to to trust myself. So in my head, if I feel like uh this person has bad motives, this person doesn't want to be my friend, this person is using me, I just trust that. And I don't yeah. I don't seek to explain it. I don't try to fight them on it. I just remove myself from that person. I just yes. go, hmm, you know? And I think that there, you were, we were on Tim Dillon's podcast and you were talking about the power being within us. And I think that's one of your main primary tenets of your personal philosophy is 
is that we are powerful and that we don't need to seek outside confirmation. Like you need to believe in yourself. And there's, I think that applies to a bunch of different things, but here in this, in this, uh, spooky podcast, I think it's, uh, the way I'm applying it is like, if I just feel something, I'm going to trust it. Like I don't, I'm not going to fuck with a haunted house. If I feel scary to me, I'm not going inside. I cannot believe all the, like, the the people that, that do scary I'm stuff. I'm sure it's fucking not going in a hill house. Like, no. Jesus Christ, learn from your past mistakes. <sighs> Stay out well, of that the, goddamn house. This part, like, when they, like, to go back and fight the house does seem kind of cool. Like, there's part of me that's like, I want, even if a ghost is going to kill me, like if a ghost uh, is, if I walk into its its territory and and then and then it kills me or whatever, I at least like the idea that that ghost knows that I'm not a little bitch, that I'm not scared of it. Like yeah, I I'm here. Uh, I have had to like assert myself hard to get a ghost out of my space. Yeah. And I have had, this just makes me sound so fucking nuts. Come on, it's the Halloween podcast. I don't know. The Just In Time for Halloween podcast. (laughs) Do it. All right. Um, I also don't, I do think that there will be, I hate the word psychic. And I do think that there will be a point where everything lines up. Where we will have. How do you feel about moist psychics? Um, gross. <laughs> Quit changing names, you fucking Mormon. Um, I don't like, I don't, cause I just think it's all going to line up. I think at some point we're going to, we're going to realize, oh, there's a brain mechanism that causes this, just like you said, and that everything is everything is everything and it, and it won't be so, uh, woo anymore. I just, what are you going to say? Intimate, horny, moist psychic. Get away from me! <laughs> Yuck! Horny is the grossest word <laughs> Look, at, I didn't say come until I was like 40. And uh, I've, I've said all these words now that I've just never said my entire life. I'm just horny is, is it's, still it's, the mo- it's the least sexual word in the world. Why is that the word? I think we could pitch a show to TBS called Horny Psychics. <laughs> <laughs> and it would- They're just like dousing with their hard dicks. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, that, that's I should have let you derail it because I didn't so, want to tell this part. Anyway. Okay, no, no. I want you. <sighs> I do you remember? A, do you remember? Yeah. Okay, good. Do you remember a point where I was like, um, there, there are things, there are things weirder about me. Where I've just gone to have like time by myself, and then you were like, "What is it that you're doing?" And I'm like, "There are things about me that are so weird." that I'm not ready to share them with you yet. And you were like, how is that fucking possible? I was like, lol, lol, lol. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Just tell me who you were talking to. Come on. I don't know what this is. I don't have a, a great explanation for it. But there are some times where I can just feel a presence. I can kind of see the the shadowy outline in my car, when I'm driving in my car, it's almost always triggered by something loud happens on the radio. And I'm just now thinking maybe that's what causes it. Maybe that's intentional. It's always something weird. Like I accidentally hit the source button and then it goes from Bluetooth to a screaming 
signal from the AM radio or my Google Play does a weird skipping thing sometimes. Anyway, some spooky fucking sound on the radio when I'm alone in the car at night will trigger um, a presence of a couple something in the backseat. They don't feel like ghosts. They feel a li- they feel like aliens i guess but they 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 seem in the rearview mirror there's just kind of a shadow and they seem bigger than than what i remember the aliens being like they if show i had up in your car they show up in my car and then i and have their to, presence is announced by a screaming on the radio um i always until just now attributed uh me getting spooked by that sound because sounds do freak me out like loud sounds suddenly and stuff for some reason give me the heebie-jeebies. And so I always attributed that sound to me getting freaked out and then the 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 me getting startled triggering this. But now I'm like, oh, maybe that's how they announce their presence. I then have to argue with them in a language that I don't understand. I have what feels like uh, the tone of it and the way that I feel when I'm having this conversation in my head, I think I'm just telling them to leave. I'm telling them to leave in whatever language they understand. But and, you don't know that that's what you. But s- I don't know what the conversation. What is, is it? And it's it. It, it used to happen like out once. loud or mm-hmm. in your mind. Out loud. Out loud. What and does the language sound like? Russian. I think it has a Russian. <gasps> it has a Russian, but a bunch we of. We should other. have told Kira Sultanovich yeah. about this. <laughs> it also is has it Adamic. Just, the Adamic language? I don't I've That's, never heard of that before. I don't I can't even I can't totally remember it, but it's something it's the language that like and it's like Adam ick, like Adam, Adam like it's at it's the language that God spoke to Adam, is what huh. Joseph Smith said. And that he and he like spoke in that uh tongue for, for a couple of revelations or something like that. He said that he spoke in it. It happened from the time I uh it, it happened like once a year, maybe for years, if that. And then uh, there would be phases where it would happen more often. And then in the last year, it happens a lot. But so then I have to have this argument that I'm trying to articulate, like, what do I feel when it's happening? What does it feel like? Because they argue back. I don't hear them at all. I don't, I, don't, I don't get anything from them. But like, there's a pause. And then I have something else to say. This is a very fucking schizophrenic shit to say. Um, <laughs> And then, so, Jess and me, you should spend more time on that Reddit thread. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I'm sorry. I love it. It I love feels it. like I'm, uh, I'm defending my work. They feel like bosses from corporate, and I'm arguing about how I'm doing my job. Really? I guess. Do you if think, I had to, do like, you think they, 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 the aliens? I mean, because you went through alien school. Yeah. And now that these, these are other aliens that are, like, were you? Are you their operative? Are Maybe. you are you know. doing stuff for them? Now that I'm having to like paint a picture of what it might be, because I just write it off as like uh, just weird shit that happens to me. But You're like that's just a Tuesday. Yeah, uh. it's just I just don't think much of it. I just want them the fuck out of the car. And so all I ever think is it. I've always thought. Yeah, saw auto, it as- driving is hard enough for Jessa. <laughs> could you could you pick a different time to do these evaluations? I think it's hard to catch me alone. Uh-huh. Um, so. Uh, I've always What's it just, like to have friends. <laughs> I thought it was kids. Uh, I always thought it was <laughs> me kicking them out of my car. But recently, I have felt the urge um, where I have to, where I need to go have this conversation. Where I've been with you on the road, and I've been like, you go back. I to remember the now. You we were in Mesa. Yeah. 
and we had hung out with, at like a fan's house and stuff. We rode scooters around, and then you walked into a field. To, well, before we to, pulled up, I was like, I am going to go by myself for a little bit. And you were like, okay, it's like two o'clock in the morning. And then you were like, is everything all right? You know, and I said. And you were like, there are some things I can't tell you about, Aaron. There are some things that are just too weird. I was like, weird. God, just say you're on your period. <laughs> <laughs> so I went out in a field and had a fucking argument. It just feels like an argument. With who? Maybe the language is just very aggressive, but I do feel like I'm like <laughs> trying to get something. Russian sounds aggressive. Sure. Yeah. And so, and the, but then the conversation ends. I always feel like I got what I wanted at the end, but I just always kind of thought that was I got what I wanted because they left. And then when I started recently having the urge, because I'm rarely alone now, when I started having the urge to go have the conversation, to initiate the conversation, then I started thinking, is this not, has this not just been an argument with ghosts about get the fuck out of my car? And so I started thinking about it more because I really gave it very little thought before. I just thought, oh, I got startled and, and that. Uh, you didn't give thought to you speaking in tongues? Mm-hmm. I know. To shadow people. Yeah, no, because it's. Uh, no, I just. Because it's. I think. Is this. It's a big deal to other people. Because I had a lot of this conversation with Karen where she was like, Have you, can you see demons? Can you see. Uh, um, soul attachments? Can you see this? And I'm like, yeah, I could see and feel all that stuff. It's everywhere it just doesn't matter it just doesn't it has no bearing on anything maybe i could delve further you, and see if it could benefit me you somehow. should have talked to Haley joel osmond in sixth sense and told him to stop being a little bitch about it yeah everything. just stop like, making not, such a big deal yeah i do think if it's like your gift i think i just have like a a, a little like hodgepodge of every single gift just because it helps with whatever uh like I feel like my my purpose probably has to do with helping people with their actual gifts. And so I feel like I just have a tiny bit of everything for the purpose of, of helping people like you realize that the thing that is an issue is not actually an issue. It's actually a gift. I feel the same way about your uh, emotions and your ability to to feel and emote and use and move things with those with those feelings. Yeah. This is a, a, a side track thing, but in the last four days, uh, two different dudes have talked to me about how much me being emotional on the podcast has helped them. And uh, one guy that from from that show in Twin uh, got emotional as he was talking to me about it and talked about how helpful it was to hear me say certain things, how helpful it was to hear me cry, which again, talking about stuff that we hate leaving in those stuff that's hard to put out yeah. that I'm, I recorded it and then never listened to it again. Cause it was so embarrassing. And then to hear that these, these two, they're both like young guys. They're both younger than me. And they're, they were like so grateful that I had done it and talked to me about the balls. Cause that's how men talk about feelings. So we put them in terms of balls <laughs> That's something we we know. Like the, that takes balls. You some balls. You had to do that. You know, and uh, that made me feel really, really good. I think I think all the time about the last will be the first, and the first will be the last. And what a what a description! Like you are at the front of the line for the feminine age. You are the the ideal masculine person for the feminine age. Like you already have all of these things perfect 
where so many men who were heavily programmed into toxic masculinity, which does exist, they have to deprogram from that. And you are a role model for a man. For toxic men everywhere. (laughs) For a good man in the feminine age. You um, are in touch with your emotions. You allow yourself to have feelings. You listen to women. You consider both sides of every situation. You don't feel threatened or, um, you know, there aren't a lot of... Sorry, I'm putting more uh, laundry on top of myself. (laughs) There uh, aren't a lot of straight white dudes that are willing to acknowledge the truth about being a straight white dude, you know? And I, I love your take on it. I love your take on it in comedy. I love, I love how excited you get about strong women. Oh, hell yeah. And the feminine age. And I don't, I don't, you're, you're, I just want a strong woman to protect me and defend me. Oof. Mm. Anyway, I'd sorry. I knew that I was going to derail us with that, <laughs> but it's something that I meant to talk about it earlier when we were talking about different shows. It it really meant a lot to me to get that feedback from those two dudes. It made me feel more confident and stuff that I've been embarrassed about and whatnot. Anyway, back to you screaming in Russian to invisible people. Uh, I still don't think it like. You just don't think it's a big deal. Well, now I'm kind of curious what it is, but it just. So that night that you went out into a field, why did you feel like you had to go? Was someone calling you? It feels you? like, yeah, I guess it feels like someone's calling me over and over again. And it feels like an itch that needs to be scratched. I really just didn't think much of it at the time. I think I was a little bit upset about something happening. I don't know. That was a really fun night. Yeah, it was. It just felt like uh, something that needed to be handled. And so I walked out into the field and then it felt like I said, like, what? What do you want? And then had this conversation. These are all these conversations are like less than five minutes and then felt like it was handled. And then I just I came in, I cracked a joke about I'm weirder than you think I am and then went to sleep and didn't think about it again. I just hope you're not like a sleeper cell for an alien invasion and they've been giving you just walk out into fields and they and they like upload another program into you and they take back all the information that you've been gathering and then uh one of these days you you they they show up in your car and it's like now's the time and uh then you kill us all. Yeah, like I'm some <laughs> kind of spy. I don't um I'm as trying to think like that. what like what the difference between so i guess if i was afraid of these experiences or or like what would cause uh, this to be a negative experience for me would have to be if i panicked about how this is not normal behavior and freaked out and was scared by the fact that i had these conversations uh, cuz they they're just innocuous it just doesn't it doesn't affect my regular life at all i i don't think about it like it's not until i start to talk about it but it just takes up the space that it takes up and then it's nothing. And then I have just had these kind of experiences for almost 20 years now. So I just don't think anything of it. And when we had that conversation with Kira and she said like how people say like, yeah, but that's bullshit. Like we stand something to benefit from this kind of stuff. And it's like, there is there is no benefit. I mean, I suppose some people make money off of their gifts and I think that that's fine. Um, my feeling is that I was never supposed to do that. 
like I was never supposed to charge to, to help people with stuff, but I don't have anything against people that do. Um, I think, yeah, you get talked shit to, you get called crazy, you get criticized and stuff. And I don't really give a fuck. Cause I just think, Oh, is your reality more real because people have confirmed it for you? Am I supposed to think that you're somehow superior to me because you can't trust the, your own inner instincts and that you crush them and push them down super far and write off every uh, experience you've ever had that hasn't been confirmed by somebody outside of yourself? I'm supposed to think that somehow your beliefs are more real because uh, you're part of a delusion that a bunch of other people believe in? That doesn't make any sense to me. So I don't... Uh, I don't know. I don't think I actually fear people thinking I'm crazy because I, I, I feel like I want to avoid that happening. And then when it happens, I'm like, oh, I don't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a shit about you. So uh, I guess it doesn't matter. I yeah. guess it doesn't matter if you think I'm nuts. Well, this has been a long episode. Um, we've got to get ready for our show in Salt Lake tonight. And we're so pumped about that. I hope... Uh, this goes well. This is Mike, my last. No, I'm going to do one open mic in New York. But uh, if you guys live in New York and want to come to Caroline's on Broadway at 7 p.m. on Wednesday, November 7th, I'm going to be performing on the Comics to Watch showcase there and would love if you would come and just like scream laughter after every single punchline to make me uh, seem better than I am. I would love that so much. We don't have any other shows coming up until December when we're going back to the Midwest and we're hitting up like St. Louis, Indy, and Cincinnati and stuff. And we'll give you more details on that as we get closer. Listen to Kieran Karen Can Read. Listen to Kira Saltanovich's parenting podcast. Listen to Tim Dillon is Going to Hell. And keep listening to ours. And uh, sign up for Patreon if you're already out of episodes and you're desperate for more we've got more on patreon.com slash mormon and the meth head and we will catch you guys next week bye if you put a mormon and a meth head together this is what they sound like Aaron would all and just so read our friends listen to them talking to mike It's a good show.